0: You're listening to Cloud9, where Bahaiteachings.org interviews artists from around the globe to learn about what inspires, uplifts, and motivates them to make a positive contribution to the world. My name is Shadi Taloui-Wallace. In this episode of Cloud9, we interview musician, educator, and social justice advocate, Mitali Shaka Banda. Mitali opens up about his own struggle and quest for identity, how his spiritual beliefs have shaped his unique sound and outlook on life, and how they inspired the Mitali Shaka Banda Oneness Project's latest album, Rites of Passage. As an artist and educator, Mitali believes that music can help transform human development, which is why he's turned to music education to promote social justice in the education system. Mitali, thank you so much for joining us, and welcome to Cloud9.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: To start us off, could you just tell us where you're calling from?
1: I'm calling from Western Massachusetts and the Northeast region of the United States.
0: So is this where you're from originally and how did you end up there? Maybe you can share a bit about your family origin as well at this point.
1: Yeah. Um, so my dad is Malawian and my mom is African-American. Um, her family's uh, based in the States for generations and generations, um, largely Massachusetts. some from the Southern States and my dad was a refugee two times. Um, so he was a refugee once because my grandfather, who was a diplomat, was um, accused of uh, conspiring against the government, um, which at the time was being ruled by a dictator, um, you know a fifty year president and um, so they moved here when he was in high school. He went to high school out here. he went to college out here. He was a gifted soccer player, and um, he went back to Malawi to coach the the national track team as well as professional soccer and the same dictator president was still there and things hadn't cooled down. So we had to, he had to get out <laughs> again. So he was a refugee twice and, um, him and my, my mom, they met in college and, um, they, uh, they got married. Um, they had three kids and, uh, here I am. Um, but, uh, I grew up all over the States. I didn't just grow up in Massachusetts. So. But I came back here for college and university, and I've set up a little little home out here, and it's quite nice.
0: Wow, that's quite the origin story. Now, I know that you went to the University of Massachusetts. Can you tell us a bit about what you studied there?
1: I studied African American studies um, with a concentration with jazz.
0: That's really interesting. I know that both these areas of study have quite a complex narrative and a rich history that are quite interconnected. Could you maybe share a little bit more about what that combination looked like for you?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, jazz um, is an American art form, but it was it was it was created by Black people, um, and it's and it's a Black American art form that's that's become an American art form, and that's also become just an international art form. Um, but I feel like there's something real about when you look at the history of of Black struggle. And, and what this music is rooted in, um, which, you know, um, a lot of their experiences that these jazz musicians went through, uh, you can't negate that history. Um, and so for me, a huge part of my study was understanding this history within the United States, as well as just the African diaspora. So not just the U.S., but the Caribbean um, and, and the motherland Africa as well. And so um, it's been really enriching learning that history um, as well, just as for myself, you know, who am I and what sort of uh, what shoulders do I stand on when we're creating this music? And I feel like that always influences uh, the content of the music I make, as well as the the sounds that I make, you know, and, and, yeah. and where am I drawing from?
0: I can imagine that would have been a very impactful couple of years for you. Uh, could you share a little bit about your own personal Journey through music and how you were first introduced to it, and when you started playing.
1: Yeah, um, I grew up. I I I grew up with jazz in the the household, but it was never like I never was like I'm going to be a a jazz musician per se. Um, But maybe I was always like that. (laughs) Um, But I think good music was always around growing up, Um, and my parents always made sure to to play you know, good music. So, What music. kind
0: of stuff were you like listening to as a kid?
1: Um, a lot of Michael Jackson, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of Motown. Um, my dad was really into traditional um, African music, or I wouldn't say trad- traditional, but uh, popular African music. And so that was always played um, South African music, South African jazz. Um, my mom was a gospel choir director. So I listened to a lot of gospel, which in the States, at least, um, you know, gospel is sort of uh, most music can sort of trace its roots back to either gospel, jazz, or blues. And especially nowadays, the music we're hearing, a lot of the, the musicians you hear at some point or another got their, got their chops from, from playing gospel and learning that music. And so all that sort of stuff was around me and influenced me and, and sparked me and gave me that sort of creativity. And so I think I was always into music. I always wanted to perform. I always loved to perform. I always loved to create different things. Um, So it was no question for me to pick up an instrument. um, And I was drawn to the saxophone just because my parents were always playing that music. And um, yeah, I I just learned to love it and allowed it to be an extension of myself. And I would say, like, if, if you told me where I'm at right now, musically, this is where I'd be. I don't think I would have believed anybody. And and I think I'm definitely glad I didn't listen to my doubt. Um, and, you know, I just had to find uh, my own voice and, and figure out what that is and realize, you know, I think for a lot of uh, especially sax players and horn players, Is we're told like there's one way of doing things. And especially in the jazz world, we're told this is what you have to do. This is who you have to sound like. These are the people you have to draw from. But like at the same time, that doesn't work for everybody. And we have our own set of experiences. And if art, we're talking about creating and offering new narratives and new storytelling, well, it doesn't make sense to just do it the same way that everyone else has done it. And I think I've realized that, you know, my playing is my playing, Um, I should appreciate it. Not try to do what other people are doing and just see what happens and um I think the music I'm making right now is the product of that, but it's and it's also the the music that I've always wanted to make and the music that I'm most proud of
0: so so talking about what you're most proud of and what you what you're making, can you tell us a bit about what you're working on at the moment?
1: Yeah, um so I just dropped the album out in December, um, and it's called Rights of Passage and uh this is my first debut album i guess you could say under my name it's not the first album though that i've been on it's also not the first album that i've composed the music for but it was it was it was the culmination of i guess a lot of learned experiences as an artist um, and also just as a person um, and it's it's under the name of um, the matali banda oneness project and oneness sort of stems from this idea of Making music that can sort of be applicable in all different settings. Making music that sort of aspires you to be the person that you want to be, even if you're not necessarily there. Um, and understanding, you know, we're we're very nuanced individuals. We're very complicated individuals. And we got to, we got to try to bring it all in together. And I think at the time when I started writing this music. Um, that was not the case (laughs) in many different ways. And I think, you know, um, what made this album so great was I was able to chronicle that journey of myself to get to this place where I could make this music, um, as well as get to this place as an individual where I could be happy with myself and okay with myself. Um, and so the album is, is, is sort of, um, semi-biographical and it's, For me, at least, um, even if it's not explicitly explicitly stated to the listener. um, But it's meant to sort of tell a story that I think a lot of people can relate to. Um, And that's a coming-of-age story, and that's a story where you start out a little bit confused. You don't really know what you're supposed to do. And life gets a little tough. Life gets hard, and we get a lot of challenges thrown our way, um, usually none that we want. And at the end of the day, we appreciate them, and we learn from them. And yeah, we keep moving forward and life is beautiful. And I think that's, that's sort of what that album is about. And it feels really good to make an album that sort of can do that. And it's, and it's cool when people tell me how it resonates with them and how they're drawn to it and what it feels. Um, and yeah.
0: Beautiful. I can imagine it would be really rewarding for you as a musician to have that opportunity and to... Musically describe this this chronicle of your life and tell this story of a coming of age. Can you share a bit about how the Bahá'í Faith has influenced this and what part it's played in this narrative?
1: I can definitely do that. Um, so my mom is is Bahá'í and and my grandparents were Bahá'í um, and my father was not Bahá'í. Um, and so my growing up, it was it was a mix. It was a mix of a lot a lot of things my my father's um christian um but i mean he there was never that like duality where it's uh, like oh like either you're this or you're that um he was he was very supportive of us being bahai um, i think though at the same time you know there was a bahai identity but it wasn't a strong one and i think that i think that's due to a lot of different things um, i think it comes from you know when only your immediate family's bahai and you don't have cousins or other relatives that are bahai Um, it can be hard to, uh, it, it can be hard to allow that to be something that like you want to take ownership over. Um, and so I don't think I ever really felt like I was Baha'i, um, for a while, like growing up. Um, and, and, you know, we didn't necessarily go to bed saying prayers. (laughs) We didn't wake up saying, you know, as, as a family, you know, those, those are things that a lot of my other Baha'i friends would always do. That was just never something that was happening in my household, um, you know. Um, at the same time, Bahais don't um, drink alcohol or do drugs, and uh, my father, growing up, was an alcoholic, so <laughs> it was very confusing for me growing up um, and in my relationship to the Baha'i faith. And it wasn't until I was eighteen and I went to Israel, where I kind of saw things in a different light and and began to. Appreciate this faith, you know, um, and serving at the Baha'i World Center, uh, which is in Haifa. And so, um, yeah, I think that was my relationship. But at the same time, you know, those safety nets and coming back, you know, I definitely slipped, I fell, you know, because, you know, when your family isn't necessarily 100% on board. And, you know, I think I had a lot of issues that I hadn't dealt with, um, with living up, growing up in an abusive family where alcohol and addiction, Where we're not just happenstance, but normal. Um, And um, so, yeah, I think this album, as well, you know, just bringing it back, like that's sort of what it's about. It's about sort of understanding, you know, who we are. And I think for me, um, the things that I struggled with most were, you know, um, understanding who I am as a spiritual being. And how can I better be that person? And how can I make my art reflect that person? Because um, I think for a while, I wasn't that person and I wasn't being that person. And I was running away from that person because that person's hard to be. And But at some point, you got to straighten up and buckle down and, and be that person no matter how hard or how challenging it is. And that's that's just a part of life. And I think that's a story that, you know, you don't need to be behind to realize that. You don't even need to be religious to sometimes have that experience, that's something that I think a lot of people can relate to is, is growing up and doing what's hard in order to be the people that we want to be.
0: Wow. I want to thank you for sharing and opening up like you just did. I'm sure it wasn't easy. Um, it's it's always fascinating to hear like the transition and, and the process that one goes through to uh, become a Baha'i and their own journey. And I'm curious to learn more about not only the journey, but also your period of service in the Baha'i Holy Land, which I'm sure was extremely spiritually transformative, but how these moments have impacted what you want people to hear, how you want listeners to interpret your work and relate to it. Could you share a little bit more about about your motivation and, and what inspires you and what you want people to hear?
1: I think for me, I... I know what I'm trying to do with music and I know what it is that I want people to feel. And I think when I started doing that project, I had an idea of that, but I still didn't fully know what that meant and what that looked like. And I think now I'm much more at a place where I know I want to make people feel emotions and resonate and feel spiritual and feel, moved and feel connected to this art and and hear music with a very meaningful and um important message and i want people to listen to music and feel like they've learned something kind of like when you i feel like we all have that album that we listen to and it kind of like changes our lives and i'm i mean i know that's an overzealous thing but i think as artists we should always be making music that in some way or another will transform the listener uh, and as artists in general we should make work that want that where we want to transform the listener transform society you know i think i think right now we're in a unique time as artists um at least in the states and i think we could say everywhere um where there's certain conversations that are happening on a global scale on a political scale and you know where people's uh livelihood and personhoods are always being questioned and and being determined by other people and there's a lot of unique conversations happening right now and i think for us it's important to try and take part in those conversations because they're important and you know so i I just felt like this album although a lot of the music was written over the last three years it felt good for the album to come out right now with the climate that the world is in right now you know um
0: as an artist and as a musician who also happens to be a member of the Baha'i faith, are there any particular quotes or messages or teachings that really inspire you?
1: Yeah. Um, well, you know, I think that quote where, you know, music is the food and the ladder to the soul, you know, speaks, speaks volumes to not just my music, but, you know, all the music that we, we take in and ingest. You know, and I and I look at sort of um, how we're inspired to create, and and how, what do we bring into our bodies, you know, and and how do we nourish our bodies, and I see that same way in terms of art and spirituality, and and if you want to make music that feels good and that resonates with people, and if you want to create that sort of stuff, then we have to take that sort of stuff in, and um, you know, uh, so I'm always figuring out. You know what what's the types of things that align themselves with what I believe spiritually? and And how do I feel like I'm not compromising who I am by either what I'm ingesting and what I'm giving out? Um, I think with this project that I just released, the one quote that was always going through my head was this quote by Rahia Kanum.
0: That's right. I um, saw that you included it on the Oneness project bankcamp page, right?
1: I did. Yes. Um, And it goes under duress. Great things are born. Diamonds form in molten stone. The sweetest flowers of man's spirit have most often been watered by tears. The struggle gives strength to endure breeds a greater capacity for endurance. We must not run away from our heartbreaks in life. We must go through them, however fiery they may be and bring with us. Out of the fire, a stronger character, a deeper reliance on ourselves. And I, so there's this song on my album, if anyone listens to it, it's um, track six and it's Someday This Pain Will Make Sense. And that quote was specifically related to that song. But also I think that whole album in general um, sort of fits that theme. And it's that theme of, you know, we're giving these tests in life. And I love how you know, I think I think most spiritual faiths talk about tests and talk about trials and tribulations as being things that will make us stronger and make us better people. Um, and I really feel that way. And I feel, you know, in hindsight, we're always able to look at things and sort of appreciate those struggles and appreciate those tribulations that we went through and that we passed because it made us wiser, it made us stronger, it makes us more caring, more loving individuals. It gives us more empathy and it allows us to see the world in a better lens than if we don't struggle, you know. Um
0: definitely. You know? Yeah, I can totally relate. I think many of us have seen examples of when people have been faced with tremendous struggles and tests, how how victoriously they've come out of those more strong and more able to to press on. And and sometimes, often or not, those tests in future become more difficult, but it's only because our capacity to deal with them strengthens as well, which I think is a really beautiful concept. And Baha'u'llah elaborates on this in a quotation of his where he says, busy not thyself with this world. For with fire we test the gold, and with gold we test our servants. And I think this so beautifully captures what you've just shared. And with your permission. I'd like to share a portion of the song that you were just talking about. And so we're going to listen now to the Mitali Shaka Oneness Project album titled Rites of Passage. And the song is called Someday This Pain Will Make Sense. <laughs> So beautiful, Matali. Thank you so much for letting us share that with everybody. I'd be really curious to learn about what motivates you as, as an artist and what helps you stay grounded and focused in in what you're doing. Yeah.
1: Um, I think prayer. I think um, being around people that love and support you and make you feel good. You know, yeah. Um, I try to only circle myself around people that I know have a positive energy on me and my life and that, you know, I feel like I'm learning from. I think, um, you know, having a strong community that you can turn to is always some, I think, I don't know anyone that can be grounded without having, you know, a loving community behind them that supports them, that um, comforts them when times are rough. That helps them through things. Um, so that definitely helps. Um, and just, you know, life is beautiful. <laughs> and I think I think we can. I don't know. I'm, I'm just the type of person where you know I I feel there's so much spirituality in everything we do and all the time. And I think for me, I'm I'm fortunate enough to where my life revolves around either working with art with kids and doing doing educational music with children or playing with like-minded individuals like the members of the oneness project and getting to travel and perform with them and and where most of the shows we do are for people who really appreciate the work that we do and it reminds me that you know this is nice and playing this music is great and and it feels really good when you when you can you can play for for a room full of people, and and you finish the set, and people are crying.
0: <laughs> I know. Yeah. I always tell people when I'm at my shows, you're welcome to cry. And and when really grown old men come up to me and they're like, "You made me cry," I feel like I've I've done my job. Exactly. I've, I've been exactly. successful,
1: and, and that's the goal. <laughs> you know, <laughs> whenever I write music, I'm like, I'm just trying to make people cry. And
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, you've you've made it, and you've had exactly. an impact. one.
1: yeah, exactly.
0: So I've noticed on Facebook and, and online, when your name comes up, there's a lot about being involved in the education system and yeah. and teaching music. Could you share a little bit more on how you've managed to find a way to connect music to social justice and what kind of schools you're teaching in? So,
1: yeah, so I teach music, and and I'm fortunate enough to teach in with a lot of programs that have an emphasis on music, creativity, expression, but also justice. Um and so I'm able to incorporate a lot of things that I really strongly believe in, um, and and take from my own experiences as a, as a black black man, and 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 use music to teach those experiences, and use music to tell a story um, for kids to understand. Um, and I teach kids from all ages. I teach from five to eighteen, and and it's it's really interesting. Is how music can take people who feel like they don't have a voice and give them a voice and to see how music has transformed so many kids that I've worked with and, and how it can be translated. Um, and I know for myself, you know, I, I grew up when I started playing music, I was going to, I was, I was living in Atlanta, Georgia and I went, Atlanta, Georgia is, as some of the lowest performing schools and the lowest performing state in in the US. And, you know, being black, you usually are in one of those lower performing schools, just based on geography, based on policies, based on all sorts of structural practices that keep the city segregated and that keep inequality perpetuated. And I just saw how in that school, the disparity between if you picked up an instrument and if you did it and the success rate of kids who played an instrument versus the unsuccess rate of kids who did not And, um, it shows how much music can play in a person's role. It shows how much music can empower somebody and give a voice to people who never dis- didn't necessarily have a voice or feel like we have a voice. And and so I use, that's what I use music for. I, that's a long-winded explanation. But, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. So I teach chorus, I teach justice, I teach black music to, to kids who necessarily wouldn't be aware of it.
0: So, so what are your aspirations as an artist, as an individual, and as an educator?
1: I think my goals are honestly like where I'm at right now, but sort of just keeping that momentum going. So I think like everything I'm doing right now is everything I want to do. Um, and I think each step of the way that I'm noticing, like over this last couple of years has just sort of been sort of um, affirming the path I'm on and, the doors that keep opening from doing all this work, whether it be performing or teaching or building, um, in the community. And yeah, so I think that's the goal is just to create and to, you know, just be a positive influence on people around me. I think that's all we can ask for. And if I can just keep doing that forever, (laughs) I'll be okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The dream. Um, Just any closing remarks, if you have any advice or words of wisdom that you can share for other aspiring musicians out there, this would be an amazing time.
1: Yeah. I think just stay true to you, you know, do the music that you want to do, do the art that you want to do. Don't be so caught up on other people's opinions or perceptions of you because that will compromise your art And, and work on perfecting it. And when it's perfect and it feels good to you, other people will vibe with it, you know. Um, but you can't do anything else other than yourself.
0: And what a great way to end this podcast, <laughs> staying true to you. Thank you so much, Mitali, for offering your time today and answering some of our, our questions. And for those of you who want to learn more about Mitali's oneness project and his album Rites of Passage, you can find a link on our website, bahaiteachings.org, that is associated with this podcast episode. And Matali, if people want to get in touch with you and hear more of your work, where can they go? Yeah,
1: find me on, on Instagram, Facebook, Matali Shakabanda. Um, I'm very reachable. Um, listen to the album, Rites of Passage, The Oneness Project. Um,
0: yes, please do. And thanks again, Mitali. Awesome. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to Cloud9. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Feel free to check out Bahaiteachings.org where you can find more Baha'i-inspired podcasts, videos, and articles.